recordings we'll ever do because we're finally going to be yes. in the same city yes so it's pretty special so you guys should hear us recording together um mm-hmm. from here on out unless there's a very special reason that we're not in the same place but hopefully that means we can do more together we can go to the movies even together to see things <gasps> and uh maybe even have like live sessions where you guys can watch along sometimes with Netflix maybe but we can have some really cool things coming down the pipeline thanks for sticking with us as we're still kind of figuring things out Mm -hmm. but Um, you can trust it'll be uh, easier we we have so many possibilities now we're so excited please be excited with us (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited (laughs) to talk about this honestly Um, mostly because Bob's Burger is like my ultimate comfort show of the last like couple mm. years during this ponderosa i've probably <laughs> watched it like three times oh my gosh all the way through Aww. it's a good background show i know every line of futurama back and forth so i had to <laughs> find something new right and so i really just i love bob's burgers and so when they came out with a movie i knew that we had to talk about it mm-hmm. it's outside of our usual shtick of horror but everyone needs a break sometimes absolutely not that it's not fun to talk about all the other movies but this one is just you know nothing like no negative feelings or metaphors or anything just good jokes good references to the show mm-hmm. and I loved it too because my partner actually hasn't seen much of the show mm-hmm. but we watched the movie together and mm-hmm. he was still enjoyed it because it actually I'll have little tidbits throughout but for the first one I guess one of the things the the writers and the director tried to do were for the fans that had never, or for people who weren't fans, sorry, for newcomers to the show, they try to give everybody a really compact first five minutes and mm-hmm. show, like, describe the character completely and give you an example of who they are. So you just know off the bat, like, this is this character, this is what they're like. Let's do it. That really makes sense. Because I noticed when I was taking this that it was literally like, Bob does this, Linda does this, Jean does this, yeah. you know, Louise, Tina everyone has like their like quick snippet so that makes sense Mm -hmm. I will say watching it as like a mega fan really helped because it's like chock full of self-referential yeah a lot of cameos from characters who come in in previous seasons yeah Uh, so it was like a ton of fun I did notice Jimmy Jr or excuse me Jimmy Pesto did not have a single spoken line and I don't get why they didn't just change his voice sorry (laughs) I don't see what Maybe they'll do that for the next like full season that comes mm. out, but that is because he was a part of the <laughs> January 6th riots in uh, insurrection. The, the insurrection rather mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. And they were like, you got to go. You got to go, Jimmy Pesto. Literally. But though he was featured as a camera in the background. I knew he was the way I thought he was. I mean, he, he really <laughs> fits his character. Right. Uh-huh. 
So this movie came out this year, 2022. It's one of the few times we're doing like such a new movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, studio is 20th Century Animation, which is a Fox studio. And sorry, another quick little fact. Uh, So Fox is now owned by Disney. This is a hand-drawn animation. And so this is the first hand-drawn Disney film technically since 2011, Winnie the Pooh. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I will talk about the animation. Yeah. Maybe I'll just say it now. The animation was really beefed up for the movie, which makes sense. Of course, it's a special Mm -hmm. occasion. It looked Mm -hmm. really good, really smooth. They added all the depth using shadows and different colors that they generally don't do in the actual show. So Mm. looked really crisp and they really did a great job. Yeah. To keep going, it was directed by Lauren Bouchard, who does all of Bob's Burgers. Budget is unknown at this point. And so far, the revenue is $33.4 million. Wow. So it did pretty good, especially for an animated movie that's not like yeah. Disney or Pixar. Right. <laughs> Runtime was tight, 102 minutes. Keep it classy. Yeah. Um, and this is listed as like a comedy adventure movie. Definitely, definitely is that. Yeah. I loved it. And there were, aside from the actual show references, there were a couple other fun references like Top Gum, The Dentist, mm-hmm. and the Goonies part, obviously. We'll get into it. But great movie. Even if you don't, even if you haven't watched Bob's Burgers, as long as you know you don't hate it, do recommend and For as sure. we'll get into. <laughs> so there's a bunch of people starring in this. Just going to go through them really quickly. H. John Benjamin, who's actually one of my favorite voice actors, period. He's, he's a great guy. It, that's actually just how he sounds. It's just his voice. Dan Mintz, Eugene Merman, Larry Murphy, John Roberts, Kristen Schaal, Zach Galifianakis, Kevin Klein, and there's a cameo of Jordan Peele mm-hmm. <laughs> um, doing his like funny lady voice yeah. that I and just love. I love. I, I wish he was in more like funny stuff more often. Like I know he's yeah. doing awesome movies, but. And also uh, Paul Rudd. Yes, Paul Rudd (laughs) as Jericho the horse. (laughs) So really, really, really great cast. They really know their craft. Mm -hmm. The IMDb plot for this is kind of accurate. It's, quote, the Belchers try to save the restaurant from closing as a sinkhole forms in front of it, while the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. A little bit repetitive in how they worded that, but generally... Mm -hmm accurate yeah for me the sources were pretty simple wikipedia and imdb and also just like many many hours of watching <laughs> bob's burgers mm-hmm. same for me and then the youtube channel screen rants and the things animated have good videos on the stuff that i missed and easter eggs and whatnot perfect ready to get started yes let's go Okay, so the opening shot is of the wharf at night with a caption stating that this is six years ago. Two people are fighting in a game booth um, in the carnival. Present day, they're in Bob's Burgers, the restaurant. Bob is, of course, making a burger with an egg to provide to a loan officer at the bank because their restaurant equipment is wrapped up in their loan and they need to get an extension on it. As it turns out, uh, this is actually a practice burger because Bob is very nervous about the meeting and wants the burger to be as perfect as possible. I do wanna have a a quick break. Actually, this movie is mostly visual gags and dialogue quips. So, so much of the fun of 
watching it, you're not going to get from listening to it. But hopefully we can bring you enough info that it makes you want to go watch it anyway. Yes. So with that being said, uh, Linja cheers him on while he's cooking and the kids on leave for school. Mm-hmm. Tina is very excited about summer and then they break out into song. They sing a song about doing well, one, for their meeting at the bank and having a good summer. Tina sings about being into Jimmy Jr. and giving her him her barrette on a chain to be her summer boyfriend. <laughs> Jean sings about wanting to play his new instrument that is like uh, a napkin, empty napkin container with two spoons rubber banded to it. <laughs> and like you like twang the spoons and they're... Mm-hmm awful <laughs> and then louise sings about how maybe her ears that she always wear her bunny ears are holding her back and she isn't sure who she is without them mm. so bob and linda head across the street and are immediately denied <laughs> for their mm-hmm. loan extension and they have seven days until their restaurant equipment is repoed jean tries to convince rudy and daryl to reinstate their band the itty bitty ditty committee <laughs> and they reference think, from the other movie yes. i mean sorry reference from the other episode <laughs> but they think his instrument sounds horrible <laughs> like they say it makes mm-hmm. their teeth hurt mm-hmm. so tina tries to ask jb jr to be her summer boyfriend but ends up chickening out yeah. chloe who's like low-key a bully like a rich bully asked Louise to do a dead man drop. Side note, when I was growing up, we called these suicide drops. And I'm like, that's probably good. <laughs> but, yeah. but they've like renamed them. But mm-hmm. asked Louise to do a dead man drop on the monkey bars. But Louise declines. And Chloe says it's because Louise is a baby and is afraid her bunny ears will fall off. Louise, having the temper of a chihuahua, then tries to attack Chloe, but is stopped by Tina and Jean, while Mr. Fromm, the guidance counselor, tries to calm her down, but is scared off by her growling at him. <laughs> Bob is extremely upset by, by not getting that extension, and then is further upset by Teddy, their friend, slash truly uncle, <laughs> he's just yeah. always around, mentioning to him, uh, like, making the burger for the bank man. Teddy then tells Bob that there'll be more traffic at the wharf for the Octo Wharf anniversary which mm-hmm. is their 80th anniversary. Wow. And they'll be able to sell significantly more burgers. And so things are starting to look up. And then suddenly the water main right outside the business like explodes, causing this giant sinkhole. Linda tries to remain positive, but Bob points out that their <laughs> the sidewalk and the entire road in front of their front door is gone. So people can't even get in. Mr. Fish Odor, who is their landlord and also owner of literally everything in the town, including the wharf, arrives with his brother Felix and their cousin Grover, the family lawyer. Grover is then eventually passed the task of making sure the hole outside the business gets fixed. Felix is, quote, passing out flyers for the 80th anniversary party by throwing them on the floor. And Jean sees that they're hosting bands to play (laughs) at their half-renovated stage. And he insists that the Itty Bitty Diddy Committee perform, but Mr. Fish Odor straight up just ignores him. Mm-hmm. Linda stops Mr. Fish Odor from leaving and asks if they cannot pay rent for the month. And to which he says, maybe, and then just drives away. Very Mr. Fish Odor. 
Felix and Grover agree with each other that they shouldn't give them an extension about paying rent. So they do not agree with Mr. Fish Odor. His Even name is they... Calvin, but yeah. no one calls him Calvin but Felix. So it felt weird to call him that. Right. He's um, always like a character that I do like overall, but it's like somehow they find a way to make him a scummy landlord and also like a fun guy. <laughs> I mean, he's mostly scummy, but mostly scummy, but yeah, I like him, you know, <laughs> like customers literally cannot access our restaurant. Can we have a, a like a delay? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so during all of this, Louise is like fascinated by this hole, but is stopped from falling in by Linda. The next day they hang a sign in the window to enter the business, like through the back alley, but the no scenic one alley. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what this is called. I think it's a long exposure shot that they're mimicking mm-hmm. here of Bob mm-hmm. just standing in the front window while the entire day passes around him. I don't remember what it's called either when they just like yeah, let it play and like super, super fast forward. I think technically long exposure is like something a little bit different, but I'm not sure. Probably. But it's cool what they do. No, it's cool though. It's like really, I think so far into the movie, it's like the best showcase of like all of the animation like mm-hmm. skills the team that they got which i think they they got a whole other they had they kept the entire show's animator team and then mm-hmm. they had like a b team join them i would um, imagine just did shading and stuff yeah because that that would have been a really intense amount of work for right like the regular team to do mm-hmm. so later bob is concerned because obviously no one came to the restaurant and they have even less time to get the money needed for the loan. Linda says, on the good side, they don't have to pay rent. And they fix the pipe outside with a new plastic water main, which is important. Mm-hmm. She tells them to be hopeful and just like drags him off to bed. Mm-hmm. In her room, Tina is writing friend fiction. Yes. About her <laughs> and Jimmy Jr. riding horses down the beach, which is where Paul Rudd comes in. She realizes that she is nervous to give him her barrette, even though it's like in her own fantasy. And fantasy Jimmy Jr. says she might be having doubts about him being her summer boyfriend, even in her own fantasy. This causes her to throw a tantrum in real life because of like her own internal confusion. (laughs) In his room, Gene is fantasizing about being a famous musician, playing his new instrument with his band on the wharf. This is interrupted by a ship mimicking the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but instead of aliens, it's a robot Mm -hmm. who comes out and tells him to stop playing his instrument because it makes his teeth hurt all the way on his planet and that the audience has even left and they had. I actually have never seen Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Is that actually like a part of it? Aliens wanting people to perform? No, weirdly, I've only seen this like long scene. It's like seven minutes or something. Mm. The aliens come down and then the scientist plays like tones of music and the alien ship like repeats the tones. So oh. it does actually fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely that. I just, when I watched it, I thought it was a reference to Rick and Morty to that episode. Oh, I if you watched yeah. Show Me What You Got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, That's, yeah, that makes more sense. And even that Rick and Morty episode, I think, is referencing a book called Space Opera by oh. Catherine Villante. Literally called Space Opera. It is. Oh and my God. it's like exactly what it sounds like. It's like we have to enter like a competition with other planets. It's okay. I silly. might need to read this book. That sounds good. So Louise in her room is having a stuffed animal council about what to do about being called a baby. 
After being pressed, she admits to them that mostly she's upset about still wearing the ears and not knowing how to feel about them and not actually about the dead man's drop itself. Melted Coochie Kopi points out (laughs) (laughs) that she's actually like still talking to her toys as like, quote, an older child, but is shut down pretty quickly by Louise. We learned that Linda actually made Louise the ears in preschool because she was scared to go to school and she's worn them ever since. Mm-hmm. Melted Coochie Kopi suggests that she go down into the hole where the water main is. Louise recruits her siblings to record her to show how brave she is and I guess show it to the rest of the kids. At night. Very mm-hmm. much kid logic. I was going to say, sorry, a couple steps back, but like, oh. it's not really a spoiler. Um, the inspiration for her ears was apparently both Bugs Bunny, because he's like a wacky, too fun, like a, you know, mischievous, that's the word, mischievous <laughs> rabbit. Uh-huh. And also, have you ever seen Tekkon Kinri? Yeah, I have. The guy with the with the bear hat. They The director actually verbatim said that that was a reference. Yeah. That is not what I would have ever expected Same. to say. I know. I was like, I'm not as big of a, of a rewatcher as you, but like I never would have guessed that. And I just mm, learned that. Not at all. <laughs> That's really cool. So Tina is apprehensive about this plan. And uh, so is Louise actually. So she ends up backing away from the hole before falling in on accident. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the hole, Louise tries to climb up, but is covered in mud and gets her foot stuck. So she ends up pulling on this vine, she thinks. Am I... Am I wrong? You... I, I saw this at the same time. I might be thinking of standby. <laughs> they know the Goonies, they go underground. Honestly, I thought they found a body. I don't know. That's that Meinhof effect or whatever it's called. You know what? My mind. mind just merged them. Anyway, well, it's some kind of reference to a movie for sure. <laughs> so later the next morning, crime scene investigators are taking a look at the body. Sergeant Bosco arrives and tells them that it's going to take a long time to clean up the crime scene. Bob is scared because he knows that's going to be even more lost revenue for the business. I didn't see why they weren't trying to sell the cops burgers right then. (laughs) Right? I mean, hustle, hustle. So Bosco, being Sergeant Bosco, asks if Bob did it. He didn't. Before being chased off the crime scene, literally, uh, <laughs> and back to robbery from the homicide crime text. Like they're like throwing like mud at him. Yeah. The kids leave to go to school, and we see Louise still has one of the teeth from the skeleton. And it's a very strangely shaped, I don't know, I think it's like a bicuspid. It's not actually a molar, but anyway. I'm good. I would not. I only know molar, kind of like. <laughs> so guess. she claims she won't tell anyone that she still has the tooth. Cut to the cafeteria where Louise is telling everyone how much of a badass she is because she climbed down into the hole and, you know, the skeleton fell at her and she got his teeth in her mouth and then tries to bribe all the kids into giving her money for her troubles. Tina again chickens out on asking Jimmy Jr. to be her summer boyfriend. Mrs. Labans, who's Louise's teacher, asks Louise where she got her hat because she wants one for her three-year-old niece, which upsets Louise because she asked in front of everyone, further solidifying that she's, quote, a baby. That night, Louise is very angry about her ears, but Bob is just busy frantically calling and recalling Mr. Fish odor. And then the family speculates on who the skeleton belongs to. Bob tries to call Mr. Fish odor again, but is stopped by the family. So then they turn on the TV and 
of course, this is a movie, so a news report is on, and they learn that the body belongs to a carny named Cotton Candy Dan, <laughs> and Mr. Fishoder has actually been arrested for his murder, and he's being represented by his cousin Grover, and Felix gets on camera and makes it worse by saying Mr. Fishoder has said multiple times that he'd kill someone, so, but he didn't, so like, he's not guilty, not helping. Not at all. <laughs> the next day, no one is still in the restaurant except for Teddy, who speculates with Linda on what to do next. That night, Bob is broken and upset by not making any money yet again. Louise overhears him talking about them potentially losing the restaurant if they aren't able to pay for a loan. And so the next day, Louise pulls Jean and Tina into a sibling meeting because they have to take this upon themselves and prove Mr. Fish Odor's innocence so their parents can talk to them, talk to him about not losing the restaurant basically like mm -hmm. so their parents can talk to him about not paying rent so they could have the money to pay the loan like it's a <laughs> very convoluted yeah i love what they say it's save the save wait solve the wait save the what is it? shoot whatever okay i got it. it's something something save the restaurant solve the murder yeah there's like, one more there's three yeah i know i'm trying to remember the first one <laughs> we'll brainstorm yeah. So Louise says she has to find evidence to prove that Mr. Fishoder is innocent. And she believes that actually there was a fight between the two, between two carnies that killed Cotton Candy Dan. Candy Dan. That's what it is. It's find the evidence, save the restaurant, solve the murder. <laughs> <laughs> An easy itinerary. She says she's really doing this to prove that she isn't a baby, like Chloe says. So they go looking for Mickey, who is their carny slash felon friend. And <laughs> they're appointed to somewhere called Carniopolis to find him, where all the rest of the carnies also live. Back at the restaurant, Bob and Linda are briefly hopeful when dirt is dropped next to the hole, but no one actually puts the dirt in the hole. Teddy shows up and shows that he actually made them a cart to sell food around the wharf. Bob tries to say no because they don't have a license to do so, but Linda <laughs> convinces him that this is the best idea because they're desperate. It's not really a rule. It's like how wearing a hairnet's a rule, and I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh uh, so, did you catch the name of, of Teddy's cart? No, what was it? It's just Bob Burger, which is oh, a reference to that episode where yes. he thinks his name is Bob, Bob Burger. <laughs> So back with the kids, they arrive to like some old, broken down, busted out window, like industrial area with abandoned buildings, but they find an alley that leads to a huge lot full of broken down RVs where all the carnies live. Mickey, of course, is there, and they eventually ask Mickey who killed Cotton Candy Dan, but the rest of the carnies overhear them asking and get angry at them and claim that they're little kid cops. Little kid cops. <laughs> so then they sing a song about being sketchy but like not being murderers <laughs> oh i guess this is also a good time to mention they wanted to feature all these dances as a homage to the old like silent and early talkie films that had a ton of dancey numbers mm -hmm. like most notably like bugsby berkeley did underwater synchronization thing from overhead and mm -hmm. that was like that was their reference and their goal because they do they had a great animation team they're like we can't just animate what we normally do we have to give something fun and apparently one of the writers was like actually did all of the dances that you see and they I like just that. recorded right they just she just recorded herself do it dancing and then gave it to the animators <laughs> i love that 
honestly very fun and they use the same tune for most of the songs in the whole movie and they change mm-hmm. the lyrics mm-hmm. so you have like this through through theme going so after they finish singing the kids leave without actually getting help but are stopped by a man who follows them out and tells them that he was there the night cotton candy dan was killed mr fish odor was there playing lucky duck <laughs> cotton candy dan and then the man left but when he came back and Mr. Fish Odor and Cotton Candy Dan did fight during this game, but he left and came back and lo and behold, Felix was also there. Mm-hmm. So obviously the kids now think Felix is the murderer because one, he would get money if his brother were to go to jail. And then two, also because Felix already tried to murder their dad before. So like, you yeah. know, he set a precedence. They decide to go find a cop and tell him. Back with Teddy, Bob, and Linda, they head to the wharf to sell burgers. The kids then get into Sergeant Bosco's car while he's on a stakeout at the mm-hmm. One-Eyed Snakes Motorcycle Clubhouse, who apparently stole a bunch of karaoke machines. And they mm-hmm. definitely did. Is this rated PG or PG-13? I forget. PG, right? I think this is PG. They didn't... I don't remember them cursing at all, but I don't really yeah. talk stuff like that. I'm just surprised they're allowed to call it One-Eyed Snake. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i guess it's like a that's a phrase i honestly you know i've heard is a is a saying for for the penis but i've never actually heard like anybody use it that way so maybe that's what the committee that overviews that didn't know i've never heard anyone use that in real life i've only mm-hmm. seen it like in shows or written down in a book like i don't think anyone actually i'm gonna make it that. a point to start using it now okay I, I appreciate that for you yeah. I love that. Thanks. So <laughs> the kids tell Sergeant Bosco about Felix potentially being the murderer, but he doesn't believe them. After some goading from them, he tells them that the cops also found a cufflink with a banana and a, with a graduation cap on it in the hole. The kids decide to go to Felix's house to find the other cufflink. As they're leaving, they tell Sergeant Bosco, like, his light is still on the top of the car. And then Critter, the head of the motorcycle gang, says hello to all of them because he's friends with the kids. And also Sergeant Bosco, he's not a very good cop. <laughs> like he's not good at his job. Yeah. Back with the parents, Linda is trying to entice people to the burger cart by wearing a burger costume with a bikini on it. I love it. <laughs> As they're standing there, the health inspectors, Higo and Ron, show up across the street, causing them to flee into the actual wharf. How are you going to health inspect somebody when they have a giant ditch like your friend? I don't understand. And because also, like, Hugo hates him because Linda broke off her engagement yeah. with Hugo to marry Pop. I can't really tell like, how time works in the show, but I feel like they've gotten inspected way more times than is standard. Oh, for sure. I- Time doesn't really like, you know, move here because they've gone through summer like multiple times through the show and and their grades haven't changed. Mm, Yeah. I wonder if they'll ever graduate them or something. I think they won't because that would make Tina go to high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And she'd be in a different school. So, no. Nah, probably not. So the kids arrive to Felix's mansion treehouse and they go into it to look for the cufflink. The food cart is getting plenty of business back at the wharf. But then Felix comes home, causing the kids to go hide out uh, on the balcony in his room. 
Felix is talking to Fanny via FaceTime, who's voiced by Jordan Peele. Love, love this character. And he says that they are like just fly, they're fleeing the country and that's what he's packing for. And he sings a song about it. The kids climb down the outside of the treehouse into like a dirty dish zip line. <laughs> yeah. Where they ride it all the way back to the house after kneeling getting caught. Oh, that would terrify me. This, those are the kind of, those, honestly, all the roller coaster rides I love, but the one that scares me the most are like anything of the swings. Oh, the I think swings. a zipline would be fine. I don't like swinging motion, but it's mm. like you're going so fast. I think it'd be fine. True. For me. Mm-hmm. But I haven't ridden a ride in a very long time. Yeah. At the wharf, the family accidentally runs over a shrine to Cotton Candy Dan with their food cart, causing them to get chased by carnies. The kids also arrive to the wharf, and Tina is still thinking about the barrette and giving it to Jimmy Jr., even during all the chaos. They can't find Felix anymore before eventually finding him and following him to the molehill, which is a super boring ride. Maybe, like, it's a small world equivalent. Or that ride of the future at Epcot at Disney. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we only go to Epcot to shop. Don't do anything I have only been to like half the world's countries at Disney, uh, Epcot, because weirdly, like they'll be closed or I go like really early in the morning. So nothing's open. I don't know. And at this point in my life, I'm not paying to go to Disney. No, no, I would never. It's only like if I get dragged along, I'm like, cool, I'll be at Epcot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Even though I do want to go to Star Wars World, but like I looked at the prices. (laughs) Girl. Is it a separate ticket? No, but the prices to go to Disney are so high, even with my parents' like Florida resident discounts. I'm like, really? Absolutely wow. not. No, Mm-mm. we could literally go to Europe again for mm-hmm. the price of going to Disney That's for a couple insane. days. It's nuts. God. Anyway. <laughs> that makes sense why people say like when they win the Super Bowl, they're going to Disney World because like they can afford it now. Woof. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> <laughs> so Felix is on this is in this very boring ride, but he goes into a maintenance entrance and the kids follow him in. Gene pushes a button that says like, danger, don't push this. <laughs> but he does and immediately drops them onto a slide down to a secret place at the bottom of the mountain. Back with Bob and Linda, they separate from Teddy to keep running and to like distract the carnies. Down in this like secret lair, Felix and Mr. Fish Odor are there and Louise tries to figure out how to tell Mr. Fish Odor that his brother is the murderer. We find out that this little area is a part of the old park that they literally just built the new park on top of, which is like Seattle. Yeah, I was uh, about to say, I was like, I don't think there's a <laughs> reference, but that, it's cool that everyone's in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So he also shows them these like mini cars that are like sea themed that are in like this under tier that you access by twisting Poseidon's nipples on a statue. <laughs> also, all the music equipment that they have makes me think that the, the lair might be a reference to House on the Rock. I was thinking 3,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Or, yeah, or 30,000. Yeah, yeah. Another movie I actually haven't seen, but I know is influential. I think they're remaking it so you can just launch the remake. Oh, good. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> Using the mini cars, which are again shaped like various ocean related things, they can access all parts of the park because there's like this like weird under layer they can drive through. When they show up to this stuffed animal storage, most of them are gone, which is very curious. And Felix thinks they 
come to life and walk around every night. Of course. (laughs) Suddenly, back at the lair where they all are, Grover arrives down the slide and Louise pulls him to the side and tells him that Felix murdered Cotton Candy Dan. Grover tells her he knows that the brothers were fleeing the country and he's actually there to help them. Tina like awkwardly tries to ask Felix about love, but he's like mostly not listening to her. And she eventually throws her barrette necklace into the ocean. This is just her distracting him, right? Or like, because yeah. it started that way, but then I feel like she actually did want advice there too. Like, since I, I'm here. <laughs> I think that's literally what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was like distraction, but also this is actually on my mind and yeah. you're like in love with Fanny. Um, yeah. <laughs> who's like, he says is like less homicidal. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> um <laughs> So Grover then advises the brothers not to use their converted like carnival submarine ride to like, what do you say? Drive a submarine? What is the term? Yeah. Uh, captain? I don't know. I don't know. But mm-hmm. let's say drive Yeah, <laughs> down to Cuba, which is where they're trying to go. Louise says that the brothers can't leave and they must stay and fight legally, mostly for the benefit of her family. But as she's walking around, because no one's listening to her she sees a picture of grover wearing the cufflinks with the bananas and she realizes that he is the murderer she also turns and sees the scar of a bite mark on his arm and it has a weird wiggly shape which matches the odd tooth from cotton candy dan (laughs) she tries to tell her siblings what she found out via like miming to them you know like the sibling esp (laughs) but grover catches her with the weird tooth then he goes like into this other area and grabs a spear gun, which he now points at the group. Meanwhile, the whole time I'm loving his tracksuit. I love the pink. Tracksuit. Love it. I love that he wears like like that pink suit all the time, and they just translated it into like a yeah. casual version. Right. <laughs> so during all of this, Bob and Linda are on top of the half-renovated stage when Linda sees the kids' bikes and the golf carts at the molehill, so they decide to go look for them there. Grover begins his villain monologue <laughs> about how he bought the cuffling for himself because no one even bought him a gift after graduating law school, and those just like flat out admit that he killed Cotton Candy Dan. During this, Bob and Linda also arrive down the slide, but are immediately also taken captive by Grover, and their <laughs> cell phones are tossed into the ocean. They sing a song about regretting their current situation all of them do (laughs) grover sings that he did all of this because he is in the family trust but you can't get it if you're a convicted felon which all of them are except mr fish odor just because he hasn't been caught yeah (laughs) which i don't know why i find that so like funny to me yeah just a family of like felons rich felons the rich one yeah of course it'd be a little scummy (laughs) So now he's trying to get Mr. Fish out frame for murder to have him out of the running of the trust. So he shot Cotton, cotton Candy Dan with Mr. Fish gun and then buried him very poorly in a pile of dirt right outside the wharf, expecting mm. anybody to notice. But of course, they didn't. And so once they like moved that pile of dirt, he didn't know where the body went. <laughs> Luckily for him, the skeleton was found during the pipe burst and his plan was back in action. He did all of this because he wanted to build a mega park with a gift shop 
and a lot of parking and simulation rides because he felt like it would be a better park. Yeah. The family's completely insane. <laughs> mm -hmm. So now he's going to put Felix and Mr. Fishoder in the sub and drop them to the bottom of the sea where they'll obviously die. And a wharf is going to catch on fire from all of the stuffed animals that he put inside the molehill. Grover won't get caught up in this because he's going to escape beforehand and he made an ultra long fuse and he has an alibi for being at the gym. Back outside, the wharf closes early, so no one else is going to get caught in this, and Teddy manages to get the cart home, but it breaks immediately, and Teddy has a full, like, R&B video yeah. breakdown, yeah. and little King Trashmouth makes a cameo. Oh, yes. <laughs> Our favorite raccoon. <laughs> Grover then puts, puts the brothers in the submarine, but the family is able to escape down into the tiny car area, and they choose a clam car. <laughs> So they have a car chase under the, under the pier. I'm not going to describe it. They eventually do get to the beach where Grover is following them in a crab car. And he shoots out one of their tires with the harpoon gun, but they're still able to escape and drive all the way home. I think what, this is the scene with the most CG and possibly the only CG. There's probably CG elsewhere, but this is definitely yeah. where it was like the most noticeable. Yeah, true. So a lot of action. They're driving through and like hitting all these different objects mm -hmm. so I, I think I understand why they use so much CG here and didn't hand draw of course hand drawn is my preferred yeah. method generally but yeah have you seen the great escape no I feel like this might be a reference to that but I'm not sure but... is that <laughs> the one where like the world war ii w's are like escaping the nazi encampment uh no it's wait unless i'm thinking of a different wait i just keep confusing movies today i'm sorry i'm moving brain i'm not thinking no worries i think i'm what am i thinking of that they made into a ride and uh, i don't know yeah i think so and i think mark Wahlberg was in it oh I definitely like not that marky it might have had so. the same name you yeah, know i don't like marky mark either he just happens to be in things sometimes. he just happens to be in things yeah. uh less so, so now so, funny. <laughs> so they eventually are able to drive all the way home but once they park in front of the giant hole they're not able to get to the top of the shell car open but then grover shows up behind them and rams their shell car into the hole and then pushes the entire mound of dirt on top of their car, literally burying them alive. Like very big uh, step from one kind of murder to like, well, I mean, actual murder, but like, you know, to children, yeah. burying like, children alive. Right? Jeez. <laughs> so Grover returns to the pier, releases the submarine to the bottom of the ocean for the brothers to die. And then he lights the ultra long, ultra slow burning fuse. Back in the car, Louise apologizes for getting them into this situation because she's trying to prove that she was brave. Bob and Linda tell her that they made that hat halfway in honor of Bob's mom, who always wore a pink winter hat, and also that she was already very brave in preschool. She didn't actually get the hat on the first day, and she even punched a kid before she got the hat, so like she was good. I do want to say this is actually the first time in the series we've ever seen Bob's mom. She's 
not even referenced actually generally in the series so yeah getting to see her was like wow special yeah I think the only reference how like awful his dad was right or like yeah absentee yeah and canonically his dad has now died so mm. um yeah. even him we won't see again so Bob is still like trying to get out of this shell car and eventually comes up with the idea of using the bare metal of the shorn tire to erode the plastic water main to help like push them up basically it does work and it does shoot them like out of the hole and keep shooting <laughs> yes Teddy then comes from Jimmy Pesto's and is able to help them get the car open. The family rushes back to the wharf to save the fish odors and also stop the wharf from burning down. Grover, in the meantime, is able to sneak back into the gym to establish his alibi. And the family sees the fuse in the molehill and Bob decides to like go climb the beams to get to the fuse. But Louise gets into the slow moving cart to like get to the fuse first Mm. she misses her first try but is able to run to the very back cart and grab it at the very last second the family is then able to call sergeant bosco to arrest grover at the gym so like he gets what he wanted to be cooler than the homicide squad and they also get the brothers out of the submarine Mm. a week later the itty bitty ditty committee is able to perform <laughs> at the show as they wanted. <laughs> the parents are able to pay their loan with money from Mr. Fish Odor, who I just only paid for that month. <laughs> like, right. Like saved his life and like, I don't know how much his name. loan yeah. could be, but yeah. maybe, maybe like a thousand to $2,000. Scummy. <laughs> like, yeah, scummy, scummy man. Jimmy Jr. finds Tina's Brett necklace at the beach and actually gives it to her because it reminds him of her and so she kisses him louise is finally able to do the dead man's drop and her hat does fall off but it's no big deal to her mr franz sees this and has like a full panic even though she's not panicking she's fine but the audience still does not see her without her hat the air then the restaurant is able to have its grand re 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 reopening (laughs) <laughs> and that is the end of the movie <laughs> yay it's a really fun one if you like bob's burgers you'll love the movie it feels like when they have those like two-part special season yeah. endings which i also really love so if you like those you'll like the movie if you like hand-drawn animation yeah check it out hopefully we have more seasons to come for bob's burgers i really do enjoy it i think it's yeah. the only fox show that i'm currently watching I think, um, is American Dad a Fox show now or is it TV? I don't remember. But. I think it's owned by Fox, um, mm. but is that still on? Yeah. I mean, I watch them on Hulu or, yeah. or, or Waco Fun, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, guys, for some reason can be found at fsrpod.com and also wherever podcasts can be found. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at fsrpodcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it since that is the best method for our podcast to reach a wider audience. And we do want to hear from you guys. However, wherever, Instagram ratings, wherever, uh, you can email us too at hi, it's just one I-H-I at fsrpod.com. If you have any suggestions, comments, criticisms, whatever, we just want to hear from you. Yeah. Join us next time as we have a new movie to discuss. And uh, until next time. Bye. Bye.